Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. I asked the Lord what he wanted to talk about over the next couple of weeks, and he gave me a topic that's, always, that's not always the most comfortable. He gave me a topic that's not always the most fun to talk about, but I think it's important. Um, sometimes those topics that aren't fun to talk about and that aren't enjoyable to talk about are the ones that are the most important to talk about. Because when we neglect those things and we push them aside and we say, I don't want to talk about it because it's not comfortable, we end up finding ourselves in a place where we're vulnerable um, to attack. And so my assignment for the next couple of weeks is to talk about waiting. To talk about waiting. Specifically seasons of waiting. There's a difference in this life in a moment of waiting and a season of waiting. You can find yourself in a moment of waiting. And then you can find yourself in a season of waiting. Um, and how many of you know there's a big difference? There's a big difference. And you can feel it. When you're waiting for, you're, you're in a moment of waiting versus a season of waiting. So over the next couple weeks, the next three weeks, I want to unpack for us what seasons of waiting are, why we have seasons of waiting, what they look like, and what's our responsibility in these seasons of waiting. Because I think so often we look at seasons of waiting as wasted time. And it is, it is time that we neglect, and it's time that we push away, and it's time that we try to rush through. We try to hit fast forward because we want to get to the destination. But God is trying to do something in our waiting. God is trying to accomplish something in our waiting. Because if you don't fulfill what God is doing in the waiting, He will have you repeat it. How many of you know the children of Israel were supposed to go into the promised land before they got there? And they had to go through the journey again and again and again. That walk wasn't 40 years long. That walk was a lot shorter than 40 years. But there was a waiting process that had to take place. And the waiting had something in it for them that God was trying to do. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to unpack for us seasons of waiting. This morning, we're going to start in Ecclesiastes 3, which is... Probably the most famous passage in the Bible that talks about seasons. While you're turning there, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll dig into this. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you challenge us. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. And we thank you that you are the word. And we thank you that when you show up, you begin to speak. And Jesus, we invite you now by your Holy Spirit to speak in this room. To speak to your people, to speak to circumstances, to speak to situations, to speak to seasons of waiting that are now and that are yet to come. And to declare to your people that, is a, that there is a purpose that you are fulfilling in the season of waiting. And to show us what it is that you are trying to accomplish so that we can grow closer to you. And that we can become better equipped to release your kingdom into this earth. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3, we begin in verse 1, the author of Ecclesiastes, there are some 
theories on who wrote Ecclesiastes. We won't get into all of that. But Ecclesiastes 3, the author begins, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. For everything there is a season. Everything. If you want to get real deep, the Hebrew for everything is everything. For everything. God has a season ordained for everything. He is so particular. He is so meticulous. He is so involved. He is so deep into our lives that He has a season ordained for everything. And He has seasons ordained in our lives even for the things that we aren't excited about. The word for season here is a set time, an appointed occasion, a stated time. In other words, God's, the waiting times in our life are not times that just come up by occasion. The waiting in our lives are not times that just come up because we're, we're in between our arrivals. So often we look at waiting as, I've gone from this arrival and now I'm just hanging out until I get to the next arrival. But the Bible says that God has set an occasion. He has put a stated time in for our waiting. He has placed a time particularly for our waiting. There is a purpose for the waiting. He says that there is a season for the waiting. And he goes on to say that there is a time for every matter under heaven. The word for time here is, it says time, but it specifically speaks to experiences and opportunities. There are experiences and opportunities that God has in every season. There are experiences and opportunities that God has in every season. And if we discount our waiting as just a wasted season, we miss the experiences and opportunities that God has for us. If we say that our waiting is wasted and we're just hanging out until we get to the arrival or the destination... We miss the experiences that we are granted in that season. Joseph was waiting in the prison. He was waiting in Potiphar's house. But in the waiting, God taught him how to thrive in the palace. The waiting was not wasted. Joseph learned how to manage in the prison. He learned how to manage in Potiphar's house. And had he have not stewarded the experiences and the opportunities in Potiphar's house and in the prison, he would have never been prepared to be the manager second in rule under Pharaoh over all of Egypt. The greatest empire in the world at the time. There are experiences that so often we push aside and we miss because we say this season isn't from God. Or this season is the enemy coming against me. Or this season is the devil fighting me. How often do we look at adversity and we say, this is the devil. This is the devil. The psalmist said that it was God who sent the famine into Egypt. That it was the Lord who sent the famine into Egypt. It wasn't the devil who sent the famine into Egypt. It was the Lord who sent the famine into Egypt. And it was the Lord who sent Joseph into Egypt. And now, I don't personally think he had to go through Potiphar's house and he had to go through the prison. I think a little bit of pride got in the way there when he stood up and told his brothers, guess what, you're all going to bow down to me and his mom and dad. I think there was an opportunity there for God to take him a different path. But nevertheless, God used it. But the Lord sent him there and in a season of waiting, 
God prepared him for his arrival. We miss our opportunities and our experiences in our waiting because we say, well, this season is the enemy coming against me. And we spend all our time in prayer, all our time in fasting, all our time in petitioning, saying, oh God, deliver me from this waiting. And God's saying, I'm not delivering you from nothing. I want you to experience the opportunity that I have for you in this because there's something for you to learn. I've got something for you to learn. He's a good father, but his concept of good is different than ours. When we say say he's a good father, I think sometimes we think he's good as in he's good. He won't ever let me have any, he won't ever make me go through anything I don't like. That's not his good. His good is for your end. Romans says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Your good is your expected end. He's working for your expected end. And if there's a little trial here and there, a little waiting here and there that you've got to muck and mire through, that He'll eventually bring you through to glorify His name and to bring you to a good end, then He's willing to do that for a season. But in the waiting, there is an experience for us. Because he does not forsake us in the waiting. The psalmist said that even if it's in the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. Paul said that these light afflictions, even if they are afflictions, they work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Because he understood that in these seasons that seem adversarial... In these seasons that seem wasted, in these seasons that seem like they are inopportune, that God is actually working something for us. He's actually doing something for us. And He is moving His kingdom forward. God does not move backwards. He does not retreat. He does not back up. His kingdom moves forward. His kingdom presses on. His kingdom goes ahead. And even in our seasons of waiting, He is stirring something in His people so that we can press on with Him. So that we can move ahead with Him. So that we can move forward with Him. But we will miss it if we discount it. If we say, this isn't for me. And if we spend all of our time saying, oh God, get me out of this. In verse 2 through 7 the writer begins to break down some of the seasons of life. These obviously aren't inclusive, but he begins to give us a picture of what life looks like. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear down and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. And the word time here is the same word for time that's used in verse 1. It is the word for time that comes with the specific notion of an experience or an opportunity. The author is saying that in all of these areas of life, in all of these seasons of life, in all of these different places in life, whether it's 
whether it's peace or whether it's war, whether it's time to sow or whether it's time to reap, whether it's time to cast away stones or gather stones, whatever season it is, whatever's going on, whatever vast array of life has come at you, God has prepared opportunities. The author paints this vast picture of of all that life can throw at you. And he says, yet in all of these things, God has hidden opportunities. The Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of a king to reveal a matter. It is our glory to find the hidden opportunities that God has given for us in these seasons of our lives. Because we can, we can say there's nothing here for us. And God will say, fine. If you don't want to search out the matter, fine. On the surface, it can look empty. It's the concept of the parable. Jesus told the disciples, the disciples said, why do you talk to these people in parables? And Jesus brought up the the, uh, prophecy of Isaiah. And he said, the reason I talk to these people in parables is because Isaiah said, seeing they will not perceive and hearing they will not understand. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying parables come in layers. You can hear a parable and think, why is this guy talking about the kingdom of God as corn or seeds or a road and not understand it? But you can also hear a parable and a light bulb go off if you search it out. And something inside of you begins to illuminate. Because if you seek it out, there is an opportunity there to learn something deeper than what's on the surface. There is an opportunity for us in this life, in the times, in the seasons of our lives. But we cannot look at the surface of what's going on. We cannot look at the surface of our financial issues and say, God's not in this thing, there's no way. Because on the surface, you're right. On the surface, there's not enough money to pay the bills. God's not in this thing. On the surface, you're right. But hidden underneath, God has laid an opportunity for those who seek out what He has hidden. He has hidden an opportunity for those who will go searching. He has hidden a treasure for those who will press into Him and say, Father, what is it in this season of my life that you are trying to get me to discover? What is it in this season of my life that you are trying to get me to receive? What is it in this season of my life that you are trying to teach me, that you are trying to impart into me? Because there is a concept in the kingdom. Once you break in somewhere, you never have to break in again. Once you break in somewhere, you never have to break in again. If you break into a concept of finances, you never have to break in there again. Once God teaches you something, He never has to teach you again. And He is concealing it so that those who are hungry to learn will seek after Him. Jesus, in the the constitution of our faith, Matthew 5, said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst After righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who, the Greek there is for those who crave and who are dying, starving after his righteousness, after right standing with him, after learning from him. It is only when we press into those times that we see the true hidden wisdom that he has laid up for us. Because on the surface, it looks barren. When your kids are running out and they're living in the world, 
There is nothing there on the surface. It is easy to look on the surface. Unbelievers can look on the surface and say this is bad. Unbelievers can look on the surface and say this is bad. It does not take a prophet to look on the surface and say this is bad. But it takes one who is hungry, who knows him and his voice to press in and say, Father, what is it? Jesus, Holy Spirit, what is it that you are yearning for me to learn in this season? That you have hidden for me as a treasure in this season? Because if I find it, it will change me forever. Forever. But it's a hidden opportunity that I have to press in to find. That I have to press into him to find. Said so that there are opportunities and experiences. The word for silence here in verse 7, it says, a time to tear and a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. The word for silence here is as close as we get to waiting in the author's description. It says to silent, to be silent, to be still, and to rest. Another place this word is used in Psalm 107, verse 29. The Bible says, He made the storm to be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. This is a picture of waiting in our lives. To be still and to be hushed. The Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And seasons of waiting... And we'll dig into more of this in the next couple of weeks. In seasons of waiting, our responsibility is to be still and to be hushed. Because it is in the stillness and in the quiet that He begins to move and speak. The stillness of our hearts provokes activity from Him in the atmosphere. The stillness of our hearts provokes activity from Him in the atmosphere. And when we still ourselves before Him... He begins to unveil those treasures that He has hidden. Those opportunities and those experiences. When we still ourselves before Him. When we silence ourselves before Him. He begins to speak into our lives. And He brings a peace on us. Even in the midst of chaos and calamity. He brings a peace on us. That the world doesn't understand. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not a peace. My peace. My peace. Jesus walked into the room where the disciples were. They're in a room. Jesus has been crucified. He's died. They think we're next. They're, they're in a room with the door locked. Jesus walks through the wall and says, Peace be to you. Peace be to you. And so they freak out. And that's how Jesus works. He walks into a situation that demands anything but peace. And he says to you, peace. Because his peace is abnormal. His peace is freaky. His peace does what no other peace can do. It sits in circumstances that demand confusion, that demand worry, that demand stress. And it instead rises above and says, no, peace will sit in this circumstance. Peace will sit in this house. Peace will sit on my kids, my finances, my life, my work. Because his peace does what no other peace can do. It walks in when all others cannot and says, peace be unto you. Peace. 
My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives peace. My peace. In times of waiting, in seasons of waiting, it is our responsibility to be silent and still. I love that this word says to rest. The, word, the definition for this word in the Hebrew, it's also to rest. Resting is often the opposite of what we do in seasons of waiting. We think seasons of waiting are the opportunity for us to work. We think the way for us to get out of waiting is to work harder. We think when we're waiting, we got to work harder to get out of the waiting. When we're waiting on our finances to get better, we got to work harder to get our finances better. When we're waiting on our kids to come home, we got to work harder for our kids to get better. When we're waiting on the, on the thing at work to get better, we got to work harder. When we're waiting on peace to come into our mind, we got to work harder. Jesus says the opposite. He says, I want you to rest in your waiting. I want you to rest in your waiting. Because work in the kingdom equals worry in waiting. Work in our waiting equals worry in the kingdom. Now, he wants us to work for him. Don't go home and say, well, now I'm not supposed to work for him anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when we're in our seasons of waiting, we are not to work ourselves to get out of it. He is the one who does the work. Only in the kingdom... Would a king come and die for those who are supposed to serve him and then tell those who are supposed to serve him, here's how you get out of your seasons of waiting. Stop, rest in me, and let me do all the work. And trust in me. Only in the kingdom would the king say, here's how you get out of your seasons of waiting. Sit silent and still. Let me speak to you and let me do all the work. Only in the kingdom. But that's what he requires. Because silence and stillness is the most difficult thing in the world for us. It's the most difficult thing in the world for us to do. Getting silent and getting still is hard for us. And that's why he requires it. Because working actually isn't that hard for us. Doing isn't that hard for us. Putting our hand to something really isn't that hard. We're doers by nature. We'll pick up something and do something. But to sit and to rest and to be still and silent, that's the difficult part. But he said, in true seasons of waiting, if you want to find out what I have for you, if you want to find out and experience what I've got for you, and if you want out of your season of waiting, you've got to rest in me. And you've got to be silent in me. Here's the beautiful wisdom, though, of Ecclesiastes. There is an equal opposite to every season in the kingdom. As surely as there is a season of silence, there is a season of action. The Bible says in verse 7, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. As surely as there is a season to be silent, to be still and to rest, there is a time to speak, to declare, to converse. The word here also means to lead away, to put to flight, to follow after. This word is not just to speak, it's a word of action. It's a word of action. As surely as Jesus calls us into seasons of silence 
into seasons of rest, into seasons of peace, into seasons of sitting with Him, into seasons of, of being quiet and listening to Him, He also requires us to act. There is a beautiful equal opposite that He calls us into. And it's comforting for us to know that as surely as we're in a season of waiting, there is a season of action that's coming. If we are in a season of waiting, we can take refuge in knowing that the season of waiting will not last for forever. That there's a season of action that's coming. That the season of waiting doesn't last for forever. That God does not allow us to wait for forever. But there is a time, to, there is a season and a time for everything under heaven. And as surely as there was a time for it to begin, there is a time for it to end. And a time for the next season to start. A time for the next thing to start. And if there was a season of waiting, then there is a season of action coming after. And if we've been waiting, then now we're called to get up and move. If we've been waiting and we've yielded to the experience and the opportunities that he's given to us, now we're called to take those and to move. Because now what he's taught us has, has given us a filling to take that to others. Because now we're equipped to take that to others. And to use that to further his kingdom. He goes on. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In verse 9 he says. What gain has the worker from his toil? We talked about this a minute ago. What gain has the worker from his toil? What advantage does the worker have from his toil? The word toil here is. It's not just laboring, but the actual Hebrew here is suffering. It speaks of being sorrowful, misery, laboring with weariness and exhaustion. The writer of Ecclesiastes is looking over his life and the wisdom of his life. And he says, when we refuse to yield to the season that God has put us in, and we try to strive to come out of the season that God has put us in, and strive to get out of the season prematurely that God has put us in, it creates a misery in us. It creates a toil in us. It creates exhaustion in us. God wants us to thrive in the season that He has us in. Because the season that He has us in has purpose. The season that He has us in has an assignment. Because the next season has an assignment. And the kingdom is perpetual. The Bible says it's line upon line and precept upon precept. Well, this precept doesn't work if I didn't get that precept. And this line won't be fully established if I didn't, if I didn't submit in this line. He has to fulfill the assignment in this season in order for me to move to the next season. And he says if we refuse to submit in this season, it becomes misery. And we become weary and exhausted. But in submitting to this season... In yielding to this season, there is a joy. Verse 10, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen the occupation, the tasks, the jobs, the affairs that God has given to the children of man to be busy with, to be occupied with, to be laboring with. The writer says, I've seen that God has given men business to be occupied with, to labor with. But this laboring is not a miser miserable laboring. This laboring is a joyful laboring. It's a peaceful laboring. 
In other words, when we do submit, when we don't submit, there's misery in our laboring. When we do submit, there's laboring with joy. So we got to labor one way or another. I'm going to choose to labor with joy. I'm going to choose to labor in peace. I'm going to choose to labor with Him effectually and purposefully and not in misery and exhaustion and not wearing myself out and being worn down day after day and hour after hour wondering when things are going to change and when they're going to turn around and when they're going to shift and when they're going to move. I'd rather submit to the season I'm in knowing that He is sovereign and good and that for some reason I'm where I am for His glory and my good and I'm going to come out of it when He has ordained me to come out of it. And until then, I'll submit to what He has for me. Because I've got to labor either way. I've got to labor either way. So I'm going to labor with joy rather than labor with misery. Rather than labor with exhaustion. Rather than labor with pain and suffering. Verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. The word time here, again, is with experiences and opportunities. The beauty only comes. The beauty only comes when we submit to the experiences and the opportunities that He has for us. The beauty does not come because the clock ticks. The beauty, the beauty that God promises doesn't come because the calendar flips. The beauty that God promises does not come because we just hang on. The beauty God promises, the word for time, again, same word, experiences and opportunities. The beauty comes for those who find the experiences and the opportunities that God has. The beauty is in the experience and the opportunity. The beauty is not in the passing of the time. The beauty isn't in, isn't in that we just got by. The beauty is in we found God in the season. And we found what God had for us in the season. If we don't find His opportunities and His experiences, we don't find His beauty. We don't find His beauty. And if we miss His beauty, we miss His purpose. And we miss His heart. We miss His heart. How sobering that we can miss His heart in a season. That He would extend His heart to us in a season. To show us a piece of Him. And we can miss His heart. That He wants to show us a side of Him. We, we find a side of Him in waiting that we will never find in the arrival. We find a side of Him in waiting that we will never find in our mountaintop seasons. It's in the waiting that we learn things about God that sustain us on the mountaintops. Again, Joseph, Joseph learned about God in the prison what kept him in the palace. And because of it, a nation was born. Because of it, they were brought out. Because of it, they were kept. Because of it, God birthed something in them and kept them. But if we miss His heart, we have an opportunity to miss Him. An opportunity to miss Him. He's made everything beautiful in His time, but He has also put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is the great 
call it the great paradox of Scripture, call it the, call it the great paradox of God. This is, God has put eternity into man's heart, and yet he has not shown us the fullness of, of his plan. Paul would say in, in 1 Corinthians that we look f- through a, a mirror or a glass darkly or dimly. Paul would say in other places we see in part and even we prophesy in part. And yet we stand in these seasons and we say, God, you've promised, you know, you've given me words over my life that I'm going to, that my kids are going to stand in the ministry. You've given me words over my life that I'm going to. Stand before nations. Give me words over my life that I'm not going to struggle in finances like my parents and my parents before me. You give me words over my life that I'm going to do X or I'm going to do Y or I'm going to do Z. And yet, somehow, God, my, my situation doesn't testify to that. And, and we've got eternity in our hearts, but we don't see the fullness of His plan and His purpose And the writer said it is the great paradox of Scripture because we are seeing eternity with one eye and we cannot see the fullness of His plan with the other. And so we stare off into the distance and we we hope for eternity. But he says in verse 12, But I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful despite all of the lack of understanding despite all the mysteries of God, despite all of our shortcomings, despite all of our lack of knowledge, all of our lack of wisdom, despite all of God's greatness and all of our failures, despite us not being able to quite understand why we're at where we're at, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. At the beginning of verse 12 here, it says, I perceived in the ESV. The King James says, I know. And the literal Hebrew says, I, I came to know. In the, uh, the Hebrew, it literally says, I came to know. In other words, he had some experience. He walked some life. He went through some struggles. He fought some battles. Where once upon a time, he didn't fully understand he stood in some seasons where he cried out to God and he thought, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing in my life? I'm missing things that you said I would stand in. I'm standing in stuff that you said I wouldn't stand in. I'm, I'm not where you told me I would be quite yet. And my life does not look like what I heard you say it would look like. And your word says that you wouldn't lie. But he said, I came to know. He said, I lived, I lived long enough and walked long enough and talked long enough. And I got silent and still long enough that I heard that I came to know that there was nothing better than to do good. And to trust in him because he is good. He is good. At the basis of it all, he is good. And there is a purpose in our seasons, even in the waiting, there is a purpose. There is a, a purpose and an experience and an opportunity that he has for us in the seasons of waiting. It may not feel like it and it may not look like it, but there is an opportunity that he has for us. Let's not miss it. Let's not push it aside. Let's not dismiss it. Because the opportunity that he has for us now could change us forever. And not just us, it could change a nation. 
It could change our family. I could do today in a season of waiting what could change my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandchildren. Joseph submitted. I don't have Joseph anywhere in my notes. This is the Holy Spirit. I've talked about Joseph all morning. I don't have him anywhere in my notes. I didn't think about him all week. Joseph submitted to the plan of God in a season. And it changed a nation that birthed the Savior of the world. It changed a nation. It changed a nation because he submitted to the plan of God in a season of waiting. In a season of struggle. In a season of adversity. He submitted to the experience and the opportunity that God had for him in a season that felt totally adversarial. But he submitted and said, God, whatever you've got for me here, whatever you've got for me here, teach me. Show me so that my next season, so that my next season is for your glory also. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.